Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. We are weak, but he is strong. Hi, I'm Kevin Biltman, your host and recovering burnt out pastor who's here to share with you sermons and songs from friends of mine that I hope will be a blessing to you. What are you afraid of? Today's message is based on 2 Timothy 1, 1 1-14. Pastor John David Mull asked us about our fears and being fearless in Christ. And then later today's song, Ben Lang, a friend of mine here, shares with us one he just recently wrote. And um, so anyway, uh, for now, we'll listen to Pastor John David Mull. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We pray, Lord, that you would move in this place to strengthen us, that you would remind us that we are loved by you, that we are saved by you, but also that your Holy Spirit's alive and working in us to do great things in this world for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would remove distraction from our hearts and minds that we might hear from you. I pray that the words that I speak would reveal your truth and grace and that your love would clearly be heard. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's fall. I love fall. Thank God for fall, right? The temperature comes down. You get to wear long sleeves. Campfires, right? Love it. I love that part. That's not the best part of fall, but I love all of that, right? I love the trees changing colors. Uh, It didn't do that very much in Texas. They were just green, and then one day they were brown, right? But we get all the colors here. I love that, but that's not the best part of fall. Clearly, the best part of fall is football, yeah. Who's a Viking fan in the room? Just raise your hand. Brownie points for you. You are in worship while your team is playing. There's like three people going, what? (laughs) Yeah, you're playing in London right now, and there's probably somebody in this room who's checked that score at least twice. Yeah, it's happening. Be strong, my friends. Football, it's the greatest sport that God ever made. It's beautiful. I love everything about it. I played a lot of football, played through college. It was awesome. I still remember losing it, you know, at the end of that year. You don't get to play college football anymore. You're not good enough for the pros. That's the end of it. But then I got to coach football. I remember when Caleb was old enough to play flag football, and I got to coach him and how fun that was. And then when he was in sixth grade and he started playing tackle football in pads, how great that was. They had an incredible team in sixth grade, and I got to coach that team. The main play that we would call is give the ball to Caleb. Not mine. There was another Caleb on the team, and that Caleb was incredible. I once watched that kid run 300 yards in one play for a touchdown on a 100-yard football field. (laughs) Right? They turn and ran sweep Caleb right. Turn, pitch it to Caleb. Caleb Tejada takes off that way, runs 50 yards over there, cuts back, ran back 30 yards across the field this way, made four people miss there, ran back across the field at an angle all the way that way, an angle all the way that way, and then went and scored a touchdown. <laughs> Unbelievable. But what, and the, his team was just going nuts. My son's just going nuts. But what they didn't recognize 
is that they did an incredible job when Caleb was on the field. When Caleb was on the field, the other 10 guys would play so much better because they knew Caleb was going to do something amazing. So they would block for him, and they would not stop until that kid went down or was in the end zone. It was amazing. And when he was off the field, they didn't think the same way. They didn't act the same way, right? It, it kind of fell short. Matter of fact, Caleb left the school in eighth grade and went to another school, and I was coaching the seventh grade team. That eighth grade team fell apart that year because they didn't have their guy. It was just falling apart for them. And it took a long time. It wasn't until their sophomore year when I was coaching them then as their JV coach that we got them back in line and realized, no, you're a good team when you work together because football is all about discipline and being bold. It's those two things together. And sometimes you can lose it. Sometimes you can be beaten before you get on the field in football. Do you know that? I watched my son's team yesterday. Uh, they went out. Their first game, they won big, 33 to nothing. Their second game, they lost 36 to nothing against a big team. Sixth grade's a tough time for football because sometimes you walk out and you see that some hit puberty before others. Right? We were walking out to that field. I saw Jonah's team over there working on their plays, and then I looked at the other team, and four of them were shaving. <laughs> right? And was going, this isn't going to be good. Right? And our poor kids, they knew before the game started it wasn't going to go well, and that made it go worse. Right? And that's the thing with football. You need to believe. You need to believe you've got a shot. You need to believe it, because when you believe, you'll go for it, and you'll play that much harder. Well, that just relates directly to our text today when we are looking at Paul speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy, all right? 2 Timothy means there was also another letter that's written that's called what? Look at you, you're on fire today. All right, 1 Timothy is written when Paul is in prison in Rome. Paul's in prison in Rome. He's really in, in, in uh, it's not that bad of a prison. If you have to be in prison, this one's pretty good. He's pretty much house arrest. So he's in a house in Rome. People can come and visit him. They can bring him food. He's got a lot of people coming in and out. But there's a Roman guard there. He's not allowed to go out. So he was in prison there. That's when the book of Acts ends. It's during that period when Paul writes 1 Timothy to Timothy uh, to encourage him as a pastor, as a leader in the church out there because Paul has been the great leader in the church and he's recognizing his time's coming to an end and he's worried about the Christian church because it's starting to face persecution and he's got Timothy out there as a leader. And what we see a little bit in 1 Timothy and definitely here in 2 Timothy is Timothy's a great leader but he's young and he's got a timidity problem. He's got some fear in his life. And so Paul is writing to him to encourage him. That first letter is written then. Now, theologians argue over when Paul died. Was it right after this? Or did he actually get, at the end of Acts, we don't have the story. It just says he was still in prison, right? Uh, and we know later he's beheaded, probably under Emperor Nero. Right? A terrible emperor. Just a, a horrible one. But... A lot of theologians, there's a lot of evidence that at the end of the book of Acts, he goes on trial, he's declared innocent, and gets to leave, and he goes on a fourth missionary journey through Spain, but then he gets arrested again under Nero, and that's where we are when Paul is writing this letter. And he's not in house arrest anymore, he's in a dungeon, 
right? It's rough. And Paul is recognizing as he's writing this letter somewhere around 67, 68 AD that his life is coming to an end. And so he's realizing that the church could fall apart because he's been the great leader of it for so long. He's worried about their leadership. And he's worried about boldness. And he's talking to Timothy about being bold. And we need to hear it too because fear is something that takes hold of us. Now, in our text it talks about fear and the word it uses is not the phobos fear, not the phobia fear that we hear in other places. This is a different fear. It's like a state of fear. It's like living timid, right? Where you're always kind of nervous, always kind of off. Another word for it is anxiety, living in that place of anxiety like something's going to go wrong. And here's the thing. We as Christians, we tend to have that anxiety. It's a place that sometimes grabs a hold of us, right? And so Paul, when he's writing this letter, wants to be very clear about why we need not be afraid in this world. And so he says these incredible words about Jesus. Jesus is the one who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You don't need to be a saved. You, are, you don't need to be afraid. You are saved by grace. You can live fearless because Christ is with you. Christ has overcome for you. Christ is for you. Christ has saved you. Your identity is child of God because of what he has done and nothing in this world can separate you from his love. He is speaking that to Timothy who's living in this fear and saying, you don't need it. Christ is with you. I have played a lot of games, a lot of football games, baseball games, soccer games, basketball games, but never once did I go into the game and it was declared before the game started that my team wins. It is declared that our team wins because Jesus Christ is already victorious. The battle rages, but the war is won. Jesus Christ has overcome. He has overcome hurricanes, and he has overcome false politicians, and he has overcome false statements. He has overcome lies. He has overcome your sin, your sickness, your shame, your grief. He has overcome your pain. He is with you, and he says, you don't need to be afraid. Even when the world rages against me and against you, you don't need to be afraid. He says to us, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-control. Satan knows he's lost. Did you know that? He knows it. Jesus when he died on that cross, before he resurrected, went into hell and made it clear. He kicked down the gates and he said, you have no power anymore. I am victorious. Satan knows he's lost. So now, while the battle still rages, he's just raging against us. He just wants to take as many with him as he can get. And here's the thing. He knows he can't have you. Because you are saved by grace. 
You are a child of God, baptized in his name. Gabriella, he can't have you. He knows it. But he'll still work on you. You know why? Because he wants you quiet. He wants you quiet because he doesn't want the rest of the world to know that Christ has overcome. He wants you and me quiet. And there aren't very many bold Christians in the world. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He didn't say the harvest is plentiful, the Christians are few, the workers are few. Because there are so many of us Christians who are timid and scared when it comes to sharing our faith. It's true. You know how I know it's true? If today for lunch you go try a new restaurant, one you've never been to, you just see it and you think, we're going to try this out, and you go in there and it is good. I don't mean just a little good. I mean like every bite you're going, oh, you know what I mean? And then you look at the menu and you got kids and it says, kids eat free. Ah! When my kids were little, that was our favorite restaurants. We knew every one of them. We knew like days of the week kids eat free and we would frequent those places, right? If it was that and then it was affordable on top of it, the food was amazing and healthy, then when you drove home and your neighbors were out in their yard working, your neighbors that you know don't go to church, and they say, hey, neighbor, where you been? Would you tell them about that restaurant? You sure would. You would go, where have I been? I've been to the greatest restaurant I've ever been to in my entire life, and kids eat free. You'd be so excited to tell them, wouldn't you? Right? But when you drive home from church, and you've been reminded of God's love for you, that he is victorious, that he has overcome for you, and you pull in, and they say, hey, neighbor, where you been? You don't go, oh, I was worshiping my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm excited to tell him about you. Do you? We get nervous. Several years ago, when I was a youth minister um, in Texas, several other youth ministers, there were four of us, all got together, and we wanted to plan a big event for our high school student, and we called it Operation Jumpstart. And it was to get them excited about being bold about their faith and sharing the gospel. And we were meeting, and we were talking about all these different things we can do, and one of the things we decided, we were going to do this teaching and all these kinds of things, but then we decided, then we're going to go to a mall, and we're going to send them out in pairs, and they've just got to go find somebody to pray for, Right? To just talk, to get in a conversation with somebody, let them know that God loves them and pray for them. And we thought, this is a great idea. Let's do this. And then uh, one of the guys next to me goes, I think we should go do it right now. And we were all like, before he said that, we were like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to get these kids out there and they're going to go to the mall and they're going to pray for people. And then he said, we should do it right now because if we're going to have them do it, we should do it. And right then, I started sweating. You know what I mean? I like, I'm excited for you to do it, but I don't want to do it. It's awkward. It, we get timid real quick when we talk about talking about our faith. The enemy lies to us. He is at work on us. In this text, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That word fear is also timidity. It's also anxiety. God has not given you a spirit of fear, anxiety, uh, he's, timidity when it comes to sharing his name. He has not done that. But instead, he's given you a spirit of power and love and self-control. The Holy Spirit. 
to be alive and at work in you. So if he hasn't given you that spirit, and every time you think about sharing your faith, you get sweaty hands, and you get nervous, and you start hearing things like, I'll mess it up. I don't know enough. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? When all those things start coming upon you, God is telling you, I'm not giving you that spirit, but it is a spirit. The enemy is coming upon you. The spirit of fear is coming upon you, and it is whispering in your ear, because Satan knows he can't have you because you're saved by grace, but he could make you quiet. He hates Christians, but he especially hates bold Christians. And God is calling us to boldness. He is telling you, I have saved you. He is telling you the victory is assured. I have won already. Get out there and love people right where they are. Serve them right where they are. And by all means, share the name of Jesus with them. Do it boldly and do it together. Go, go, go. And we feel scared, scared, scared. I will tell them about a restaurant. I will tell them about a movie but I have a hard time telling them about my Jesus. And it's the greatest thing in your life. But we're afraid. We're afraid they're going to reject us. We're afraid we're going to get fired from our jobs. We're afraid we're going to be labeled in our schools. We are afraid. We are afraid. We are afraid. That, my friends, is the enemy who is whispering in your ear, and he is a liar. Jesus Christ is victorious. It is assured. When the end comes, you will spend eternity with him in perfection. Your body will be resurrected and made new and whole, and it will never hurt again. It will be awesome. It will never break again. It will be incredible. You will never cry out of pain again. It's going to be amazing. No one will ever hurt you again, and you will never hurt anyone again. You won't be tempted by pornography. You won't be tempted by the brokenness of this world. God's going to make it whole. It is assured. But from here to there, he's saying, I want you to be bold. Be bold. Be my bold Christian to serve people and love them and care about them and to speak the name of Jesus into their lives. And God promises you, promises you that I will give you the words. My Holy Spirit is upon you. I will give you the power to do it. What does it take to make a great football team? It takes discipline, self-control. It takes caring about your brothers on the football field. Love, it takes power to go and do it together. What does it take to be a witness for Christ? The Holy Spirit alive and at work in all y'all, together, going out there in his power, in his love, and in his discipline to share that good news. That spirit is alive in you. He is ready to act, but we're listening to a different spirit. But I tell you, God is telling you, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Well, today I've asked 
Ben Lang to share with us a song he just recently wrote here. And I'll just let him explain it to you. So, Ben, can you tell us about your song? Sure, Kevin. I'd love to talk to you about this song, Freedom in Jesus. Um, the chorus kind of came to me first with this song. Just those simple words. Um, just started to sing them. And uh, I remember this verse came to mind. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And this song is really kind of about just like the spiritual freedom that we find in Christ. Um, and when uh, the, the bonds that Satan tries to bind us with, when those take over our lives, it's just uh, so brutal and it's not um, how we were designed to be. And so when Jesus comes into our lives, breaks those chains, replaces the demons with the Holy Spirit, it's just uh, life-changing, and uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of what this song is about. Satan was my friend, he tied me up, said chains look good on you, I believed I was deceived, I'd given up on getting hit. sin was not out of reach of your love freedom in Jesus for freedom we have been set free not going back to slavery freedom in Jesus chains are breaking in my life your yoke is easy on, but it's Enemies, know 
the power of Christ Oh, freedom in Jesus For freedom we have been set free Not going back to slavery Breaking in my life Your yoke is easier But it's like